We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Digest podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network covering the Oregon Ducks. I got a huge episode in store for you guys today. It's Oregon versus Ohio State week. And today I am joined by Buckeyes Now publisher, Brandon Gulick of the Sports Illustrated Network. Brandon, Brandon, how are we doing? Good to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, and uh, I am I am a really looking forward to this weekend's matchup, uh, especially after kind of a, a nail-biter week one. It, it kind of gets all those juices flowing a little bit and, and reminds you how much you love college football. This is Ohio State's uh, biggest non-conference game for sure, and, and it's, it's going to be a great one to open up the horseshoe this year. Man, I can't wait to get out there to Columbus. It's Wednesday as we record this, but I, I head out on Thursday morning, so uh, that's when this one's going to drop. But I'm super excited to get out to Columbus and just kind of soak all that that uh, you know college football culture in and, and see what what the Buckeyes are, are all about. Um, you know, Buckeyes coming off that Week One win over over Minnesota, like you were saying, maybe took them a little bit longer to, to put them away than than we thought. We were just on the Buckeyes Now podcast before recruiting this. That's your thing over there. So all the all the Buckeyes fans, go make sure to check that out as well as Oregon if you're if you're looking for for some info over there. But let's just kind of start it off here, uh, Brendan. You know, I think I liked what we did with with the offense and, and defense. Um, I think that you know the offense is is maybe more of a known commodity for for Ohio State. So let's start on the defense. Um, just kind of big picture. What what are we looking at here with with uh, the defense? I know that Ohio State has some some big playmakers on that side of the ball. Yeah, I would say the Buckeye defense is um, a work in progress. Um, you know, that's with a program that has extremely high expectations. Uh, it's hard to be overly disappointed when you win a game, but maybe you don't play perfect defense. Um, and yet, I think that's where we're kind of, you know, uh, gravitating towards as Buckeye fans because. Frankly, the last game of the year last year defensively was not a great game. Um, now, some of that was Alabama was unbelievably talented, but the Buckeyes, you know, they, they were kind of playing with one hand behind their back in the sense that they didn't have uh, everybody available with some of the COVID issues in the last game of the year. Uh, and Alabama exposed some problems in the secondary, which the Buckeyes struggled with throughout the course of the season. Um, so to come out against Minnesota and play okay defensively certainly had some good things. Um, but not play, you know, totally perfect football on that side of the ball. 
uh, fans are reactionary and emotional. And I think there was, you know, a little bit of an uproar and frustration there, but on some level, man, you, you won the game. So take a deep breath and try to get better for next week. The strength of the defense is certainly up front on the defensive line. They've got a lot of guys returning. Uh, their pass rushers, I think, are, are the strength of that unit. Zach Harrison, Javante Jean-Baptiste, uh, can't forget Tyreek Smith. Unfortunately, Tyler Friday is out for the year with an injury. Um, and then you're going to have you know an opportunity to see some younger guys like from up your direction, JT Tuimolo-Al, uh, Jack Sawyer from the Columbus area, one of the highest recruits in the country. He played last weekend a little bit. Um, some really good depth on that defensive line with Haskell Garrett and Teron Vincent in particular, both playing really well last week. So I, I think Ohio State is hoping that they can continue to control the trenches, but I know they got a lot of respect for, for an Oregon offensive line that is experienced. And I think they averaged something like 6'5", 320 across the board, so it's going to be tough there. Um, from a linebacking perspective, you know, have some talent for sure. Taraja Mitchell is is the captain and the leader of that group. Beyond that, um, you know, there were a lot of question marks as to just who was going to play and, and in what situations. Tommy Eichenberg got the start. I thought he played fine last week. Cody Simon uh, had a huge sack before halftime. Dallas Gant, I thought, played okay, but had a roughing the passer penalty that wiped out an interception. That's kind of the lasting impression of, of his performance from that game. Um, but all in all, I think the, the linebackers in the front seven did a decent job trying to stop the run against Minnesota. You know, Minnesota did what they wanted to do in terms of controlling the clock. They had 39 minutes time of possession, uh, and they ran it 50 times against the Buckeyes for, for 200 yards. Um, so Ohio State's probably happy with that average. They only really let one big play bust the other way. They gave up a 56-yard run. Uh, but all in all, I thought the rush defense was fine. Pass defense, you know, the secondary is a little bit young and inexperienced. I think Ohio State started seven guys last week that had never started a college football game. Uh, and the secondary right now is not particularly healthy. Um, Ryan Day and, and defensive coordinator Kerry Combs don't comment on injuries, and so they, they wouldn't address seven banks, Cameron Brown and, and Josh Proctor, who all are supposedly banged up. Uh, Proctor, get you know, uh, we know is hurt, and he got hurt during the game last week. I'm not sure if he's available this week. Uh, and Ohio State started two freshman cornerbacks last last week who competed hard and played okay, but uh, also struggled a little bit. So, you know, the defense, again, I, I think big picture, work in progress, definitely some talent, um, but they've they've got to improve if they're going to win this weekend for sure and if they're going to achieve the goals they've got set for themselves. JT Tumaloa is certainly a name that a lot of Oregon fans are familiar with. Uh, with the Buckeyes winning that recruiting battle uh, not too long ago. It still feels pretty fresh, but he's on campus in, in Columbus, and I think that he's someone a lot of Oregon fans would like to hear about. Uh, I know we have a small sample size so far, Brendan, but but what have you seen from him, and, and just how do you feel he's kind of progressing at Ohio State so far? Well, for Ducks fans that aren't familiar with it, there's uh, sort of a, a, a cultural rite of passage that the Buckeyes have within their program called losing your black stripe. And, and the idea is, you know, there's a scarlet stripe down the middle of the helmet. Um, but when you come on campus and you're a first year player, that red stripe is essentially covered up by a black piece of tape. And, you know, it's it's something the Buckeyes have done now for several years with the idea of, hey, you got to earn your stripes. You know, you're here, but you got to put the work in to, to really become officially a Buckeye. Um, JT Tuimolau obviously didn't enroll until the summertime because he was so late in declaring that he wanted to come to Ohio State. He lost his black stripe really fast, 
faster than anybody else that enrolled in the summer. Um, and by all accounts, this kid is wildly impressive. Unfortunately, practice is closed to the media with the exception of a couple of viewing windows during training camp. Um, so we had the chance to basically watch, you know, the opening four periods where they're just stretching and doing some individual work. We saw that on, on four occasions, and then we had access to one practice during the entire practice during camp, and that's it. We'll never watch practice again the rest of the year. Um, so my my viewing privileges of watching him uh, are not much more than, than even what Oregon fans or anyone else um, you know might hope for. But the kid is really, really strong and explosive. Um, you know, by all accounts, from a personality perspective, he's got the character traits that you know Ohio State uh, head coach Ryan Day and and defensive line coach Larry Johnson really, really want uh, in in the kids that they're recruiting. You know, and and not a surprise, JTT got in game one. You know, if if you're going to get on the plane and go travel somewhere, the expectation is that you're going to be ready to play. And I don't care if, you know, you're a first-year freshman who's never played a game or, you know, a, a graduate student or a 60-year senior who's been around for, for a long time. Um, and I, I was not surprised to see JT get in there. Uh, I think he, you know, he's going to have to develop a little bit and maybe not totally fair yet to judge – his capability based on playing Minnesota's offensive line, which was the number one most experienced returning offensive line in the country, uh, and now a really good line with Oregon. Um, but that said, you know, he's been going up against a really good offensive line in practice, you know, for, for a month and a half now with the Buckeyes. So he is certainly uh, used to competing at a high level, and I know Ohio State's got really high hopes for him. Yeah, you talk about that that uh, defensive line depth that they have in Columbus. Uh, it's always kind of uh, interested me that that they get those guys, those top guys. You talk about Sawyer out of Ohio, um, maybe not. Uh, I feel like a state that people know too much about with regard to the recruiting ranks, but that'll be a matchup that I'm sure a lot of fans are going to have their eye on. Uh, and I think it certainly says a lot about Tui Malau that that he was able to to lose that black stripe so quickly like you mentioned, but let's focus on the secondary a little bit more, Brendan, with, with Oregon needing to push the ball. You know, I have a a recent story up on ducks digest. If readers want to check that out about them needing explosive plays, we've talked about that a little bit on your podcast, you know, just how, how, uh, how strong do you feel like this secondary is heading into Oregon? Albeit that uh, they have some guys that are just getting their feet wet. I think they compete really hard, and I think they're super athletic. I I really like Denzel Burke. Um, you know, he was thrust into the action not not just because of some injuries. Uh, there are other options at at corner, but you know, everybody in the in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center has said that Denzel Burke has worked and worked and worked, and you know, really earned that opportunity to start last weekend. He had three pass breakups. He largely played pretty good football. Um, he also had a, a defensive holding call in the end zone that, um, you know, now it wasn't like a ball that was way down the field. It was a fairly short pass, but that penalty put Oregon on the three-yard line, and they eventually scored uh, a play or two later. Um, you know, he'll learn from that. I, uh, I I think the scrutiny is fair right now. You know, last year there were some times that the defense was kind of a liability in the back end. Um, the, the play was just not good enough. Um, the good news is Ohio state offensively, it's, it's almost like their offense is their best defense right now. I I came across the stat the other day. Um, and it's such a perfect 
uh, punctuation mark for that comment. Ohio State, when scoring 35 points or more in program history, has 343 wins, one loss, and one tie. Wow. The offense, especially these last, you know, these last 20 years now when Ohio State football has really risen to, you know, a- among the cream of the crop programs in college football, they don't lose when they score at will. Um, they've largely been able to outscore their mistakes. The one loss was to Clemson in the Orange Bowl. I think it was back in 2014 or 15. They lost 40 to 35. Um, but, you know, especially in a game where maybe you get a defensive touchdown, it's it's really, really hard to beat this team. And, and typically they can be higher scoring contests. Um, you even saw what Ohio State did to Clemson last year in, in the Sugar Bowl, right? That game by all accounts was a blowout. But the defense still gave up some points. It's college football is an offensive game. So to me, there's an element of if you're the Buckeye defense, you try to make life as as complicated as possible on the opposing quarterback. You try really, really hard to avoid giving up big plays. And in a lot of ways, man, it, you know, football is football, right? You need you need to try to come up with takeaways, uh, and you got to tackle well. And and to me. If the Buckeyes can take some of those five or six yard, you know, rushes against them and turn those into three or four yard runs, then you get a team on third down might be a little bit easier to get them off the field. Um, there is no, at least right now, there isn't a Chase Young or Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa type pass rusher, but there certainly is a lot of talent with Zach Harrison, Tyreek Smith, and, and some of these other guys. Um, they've They've caused enough chaos in the backfield. They just haven't come up with too many of those backbreaking sacks that Buckeye Nation has really gotten used to. And I think maybe that's caused a little bit of frustration for a group that definitely has some talent. Um, so don't get me wrong, man. I, I don't think the Buckeye defense is bad by any stretch of the imagination. This team is clearly the favorite in the Big Ten. If they lose a Big Ten game this year, it's going to be a pretty big upset. Um you got to go out and do it, but but they are absolutely you know on track to get back to the Big Ten championship game, and you know they've they've got a good chance to make the college football playoff if they execute well. Beyond that, that's where you start to say, hey, you know how good are we, right? Can't, what 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 can you do to to win a national title? I watched what Georgia did to Clemson last week. Georgia's defense has some dudes. I mean, they are really really good. Are the Buckeyes going to be able to play at that level? I don't know yet. Uh, you know, we got to wait and see. I think they've got some good talent. Um, they certainly have some talent in the secondary, but I'm not sure if there's a Denzel Ward or Jeff Okuda or Damon Arnett, you know, type legit Jordan Fuller, you know, first round NFL talent guy. Maybe there is, but maybe that's a young guy that hasn't developed yet. So, yeah, if I'm Oregon or frankly any other team right now. I am trying to attack the Buckeyes down the field as much as possible. Um, you want to control the clock. You want to establish the run, but you got to take shots because that's that's the area of the defense right now that has the least experience. Certainly, something that, that I think is or, is a uh, can uh, oh my gosh, something that is encouraging for uh, for Oregon fans to hear there, Brendan. Uh, especially when we're talking about how the offense was kind of kind of underwhelming for Oregon and and that they needed to they're going to need to take those shots. So. Um, I think with, with uh, the Ohio State defense, it's, it's going to be a big test for Oregon that I'm excited to see how they do, especially with this offensive line 
and uh, and you know how much we've heard about them. You know, how are they going to deal with with all that talent coming at them? Uh, yeah, let's. Uh, I mean, is, is there anything else that you think is, is worth a mention here when we're talking about uh, the defense and maybe what what uh, Oregon fans or Oregon should know when we're talking about the Buckeyes? No, I think we've kind of hit it there. Um, you know, the, the the strength of defense is certainly up front, and uh, you know, I I would imagine that Oregon is going to try to you know, get to the edge. Their speed is certainly among their strengths. You know, Anthony Brown might've had some up and down moments, but you know, a quarterback that can run can be a real threat, especially in college football. Um, and you're, you're, you know, sort of one, a one B running back uh, depth, you know, I, I think could be part of an advantage. Um, so I, you know, the Buckeyes don't get me wrong, man. Um, this is not a game that Ohio State is sitting here saying, "Hey, check that one off. That's a win." I mean, this is this is going to be a good game, and I I would not be surprised if Ohio State doesn't cover the spread. I haven't figured out what my final score prediction for the week would be, but it would not surprise me if Oregon, um, you know, if you're betting on the game, if you take Oregon and the points, um, I, I I think this could be a pretty good contest, and Ohio State's defense is going to be tested. The, the Buckeye defense certainly uh, setting the standard pretty high uh, over previous seasons. Secondary uh, storyline to watch there. Talking with Buckeyes now publisher Brendan Gulick. Brendan, we talked just now about the Buckeye offense maybe being their best defense. And I think that's one of the big storylines to watch here. Just that explosive offense. Those receivers, man, are just something else. I think that's what everyone kind of has their attention on. Chris Olave. Um, just one of the, one of the best guys in the country, along with Garrett Wilson, what, what are, what is Oregon getting themselves into when they're looking at these, uh, these wide receivers? Let's start there. Uh, they are getting into a nightmare. Um, and I, I don't mean that as a knock on Oregon, as much as I would say that honestly about anybody in the country, this wide receiver room is that talented. They're that good. Um, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are slam dunk NFL talent for sure. I don't, I'm not projecting NFL superstardom, but there is there is a 0% chance if those guys stay healthy that they don't have an NFL future uh, and that they probably aren't going to make a lot of money. Those guys have some some big paydays in front of them. Um, what's, what's impressive is the depth behind them. And again, last week, if, you, if you're Oregon scouting the Buckeyes, and I don't mean the coaching staff, I mean fans taking a look, trying to figure out what you're getting yourself into. Ohio State only ran 48 offensive plays last week. And Jackson Smith and Jigba, who was a freshman last year and had a great season in the slot, uh, has kind of solidified himself in, in that role. So between Chris and Garrett and Jackson, those three guys were basically on the field for all but the last two or three plays of the game when the Buckeyes had wide receivers on the field. Um, but again, from generally up your direction, Emeka Ibuka, I think is a wicked talent. I mean, he is a human highlight reel and is, has an unbelievable future. Um, absolutely love what, what I've heard and seen from him and the few times I've been able to watch him. Um, Arvin Harrison Jr. obviously has great, you know, NFL bloodlines that helps. Um, but there's a reason he was such a highly recruited prospect out of Philadelphia, uh, and for Oregon fans that don't know, his high school quarterback, Kyle McCord, is also on Ohio State's roster and was also one of the, the highly recruited guys in the country. Um, Marvin has looked really, really good. 
And Jaden Ballard, who uh, is a, a true freshman from Massillon, which is a, a football crazy town here in Ohio. Um, Jaden has a lot of talent. Uh, actually, I mentioned the black stripe thing earlier. Jaden just lost his black stripe uh, yesterday as we record this podcast. It was on Tuesday of this uh, game week. Um, you know, he, he's probably firmly sixth in that room right now. Um, but if he went out on the field, absolutely capable of making some plays. Um, the, the wide receiving core is without question one of the strengths of this team, let alone the offense. Uh, and, and there is, I'm sure, at the top of the uh, Ohio State, you know, uh, Ryan Day's play sheet, I'm sure he's probably got something written like get the ball to two and five, you know, <laughs> figure out a way to get it to Olave and get it to Wilson because um, those guys are really, really special. Those Ohio State wide receivers will, will be a great test for this Oregon secondary. I'm really excited to see, you know, Olave or Wilson uh, against Michael Wright. To, if we if we have that matchup, he's being uh, the strongest cornerback on the Ducks roster, and the the wealth of talent at receiver is is off the charts for Ohio State. And I just had to ask you that one because it's it's just uh, it's mind blowing. But I mean, the the wide receiver is not the only weapon uh, for Ohio State in this one. You got CJ Stroud and a, and a couple other guys. You got Rucker. Uh, he's looking. He's looking good. Who are some of the other names that you think maybe we're not hearing enough about or are worth uh, a mention here when we're looking at the Buckeyes on offense? Yeah, I'm glad you bring up Jeremy Rucker because you know the tight end is is um, a position that Ohio State internally celebrates. They love the tight end, and they you know the last few years have had some really really talented guys. But I, I think it's an underappreciated position. And Jeremy Rucker is not going to jump off the stat sheet at you, you know, last week with one catch for 15 yards. But he blocks better than anybody on that offense, in my opinion, outside of an offensive lineman. Um, he single-handedly sprung two touchdowns last week with great blocks down the field. Rucker, Rucker's the leader of that room for sure. You know, Luke Farrell's playing in the NFL now in Jacksonville. Uh, the rest of that room is really athletic, but, you know, a bunch of converted tight ends and guys that are still learning to play the position. Uh, I think Cade Stover could have a bright future as, as a Buckeye tight end. Ruckert does a really good job of not just positional blocking. When when something isn't there, he, he goes and finds it, right? He, he is constantly looking for someone downfield to make a big block to spring a big play. I just love the energy and the enthusiasm he plays with. Um, he is certainly among the unsung heroes of the offense. The offensive line for Ohio State this year is really interesting because they they returned the top two tackles in the country, and then they moved them. Um, Thayer Munford and Nick Petit-Frere last year, Thayer was on, on uh, the outside at left tackle, and, and Nick was on the outside at right tackle. Uh, and in camp, the maybe the, the guy that you know emerged – as a, a can't-miss guy getting him on the field is Dewan Jones, uh, who is the biggest offensive lineman on the team at 6'8 and about 370. Um, he was wow. playing so, Yeah, he's a big man. Um, he was playing so well at right tackle in camp that Thayer Munford, as a left tackle, who, who you know decided, no, I'm not going to go to the NFL. He might have been a first-round pick last year. He decides to come back. He goes to the Buckeye coaching staff and says, even though I'm an All-American tackle, I'm going to move inside to left guard and and let's move Nick Petit-Frere from right tackle to left tackle because it gets DeWand on the field at right tackle. Super unselfish, and in, in his first game last week, I mean, I thought Thayer played excellent at left guard. 
Um, Ohio State's right guard is a first-year starter in Paris Johnson Jr., and there's a lot of people within the facility that are kind of like looking left and right saying, this guy's the next big thing. Um, I I heard last year uh, Josh Myers, who was Ohio State center and, and you know went on to be drafted by the Packers, Josh Myers was like hesitant to say it because – it's such a lofty compliment that you don't want to just throw those things out there wildly. He literally used the name Orlando Pace in reference to the kind of ceiling he thinks Paris Johnson has. Um, Paris is – he's the real deal. He's the starting right guard this year, and he, he played excellent against Minnesota. Uh, and the Buckeyes were supposed to start Harry Miller at center last week. Kind of a you know last-minute surprise uh, when Ohio State, a couple hours before game time, put out their – their game day status report, and Harry was unavailable. Um, Ohio State will never say if it's because of an Ill- illness, an injury. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter. You're either available or you're unavailable. And Harry Miller was not expected to be unavailable. Um, he was supposed to be the starting center this year, was the left guard last year, and, and you know, would move over, um, but did not play week one. And Luke Whipler did a, an admirable job uh, filling in, you know, Luke – uh, Luke is a, a really, really good kid that two days after the Buckeyes lost to Alabama was back in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center working out by himself and, and you know, sending video to the offensive line coach and basically said, I'm ready to go. Let's figure out a way to do this thing next year. Um, his work ethic is great. And, you know, it wasn't a perfect game for him, but he, he played fine. Um, you know, collectively, Ohio State did not give up. Uh, I, I don't think they had a single negative rush. Um in that Minnesota game in, in 22 carries. So it's kind of hard to be upset about that. Um, running back, you know, it was a bit of a rotation. It's kind of running back by committee. Master Teague was the incumbent and, you know, has been an all-conference performer two years ago behind J.K. Dobbins. Uh, Master is incredibly physical. He is a great short-distance running back, in my opinion. He doesn't have top-end speed. That's kind of his, you know, his limitation. Um, Master did not start, and I think that may have caught a few people by surprise on Thursday last week. Uh, Mayan Williams, who is a redshirt freshman out of Cincinnati, started, and you know he kind of joked about it after the game. Mayan Williams scored the first touchdown of the year on a 71-yard touchdown run up the right sideline. Um, he laughed and said that he ran the wrong way. The play was designed to go to the left. He lined up on the wrong side of C.J. Stroud, took the handoff, and went up the right side and outran everybody. Um, you know, sometimes those things happen. As a coaching staff, you're probably ready to pull your hair out because, you know, you, you weren't aligned properly for that play pre-snap, but it worked out okay. Um, you know, Mayan is, has been really good through camp and obviously show that he's, you know, he's got a chance to be a good player. Um, but all eyeballs in this running back room are, are on five-star freshman Travion Henderson. Um, there are those within the the Woody Hayes Athletic Center saying that uh, quietly that this kid right now is ahead of where J.K. Dobbins was when J.K. was a true freshman. Um, again, that's pretty lofty, uh, pretty lofty praise for an Ohio State running back that you know everybody has some pretty high expectations for. So, um, you know, Travion Henderson didn't get a ton of snaps because there weren't a lot to to go around, uh, and four running backs played last week. But obviously, he took a screen pass for a touchdown, and you saw the top end speed there, uh, and and why he was so highly recruited. So, 
Uh, yeah, Ohio State's got some depth in the running back room. Running backs coach Tony Alford loves what this group has. He thinks it's the deepest group he's had in quite some time. Uh, and I would not ex- uh, expect anything different this week. I think you're going to continue to see a rotation. It, it may have slightly less equal carries to it. You might see a little bit more of the hot hand. But um, I, I would expect that Mayan Williams and Travion and Master Teague are all going to touch the ball this week. Man, tons of weapons for Ohio State on, on that offense. Uh, I, I was watching that Minnesota game as well, and, man, those, those running backs made some, some big plays, and uh, I think that they're going to be a, a difference-making a difference making group in, in this matchup for, for Ohio State against Oregon. Uh, going to be fun to see how they do, given that Oregon did pretty well against the run, at least in game one, an area that was not a strength for the Ducks at all last year. Uh, surrendered huge performances to, to UCLA, Oregon State, and then Iowa State in the Fiesta Bowl. But with all those weapons, there comes one man who is tasked with utilizing them, C.J. Stroud leading the show there in Columbus. What can you tell me about him and what we can take away from his first career start against Minnesota? Yeah, his first career start I thought was, uh, was pretty good. Um, certainly not elite, uh, but pretty good. Let's keep in mind the kid hasn't played football in two years. You know, he he took eight snaps last year as a as a true freshman and handed the ball off on every one of them or, or ran with it. Um, you know, so he hadn't thrown a pass in a legitimate real game since he was in high school. Um, so I, I think the first half, you know, he, he made some good decisions with the ball. He made a couple of good reads. Obviously, the one big thing that stands out is the interception uh, he threw over the middle. You know, if he would have thrown the ball to Garrett Wilson, Wilson looked pretty wide open. Um, his read was to Olave, and had he made a good pass, Olave would have, you know, would have been open and, and been fine. Threw the ball behind him a little bit, and it got picked. Um, you know, those things happen, but it's obviously something that the Buckeye coaching staff is, you know, pretty keen on. You can't turn the ball over. Um what I really liked was his maturity and and his uh, his and Ryan Day's you know decision to keep swinging in the second half, as Coach Day likes to say. Um, you know, CJ threw one interception and no touchdowns in the first half. The Buckeyes were losing on the road, fourteen to ten, um, and they certainly hadn't played their best football offensively. And they came out in the second half and let it rip. Um, Ohio State ran. You know, uh, I believe it was 22 plays in the second half for an average of of uh, 14.1 yards per play. Um, now, wow. some of that's because they had three very long touchdowns. Um, but, you know, CJ made a couple of really good throws. He made a fantastic throw to Olave on, uh, on a pass to the left-hand side of the field, um, just outside of the fingertips of, uh, of, of a defensive player. And then Olave turned up field and scored. Um, his deep ball to Garrett Wilson on the 68 yard touchdown pass he threw couldn't have been any more on the money. His deep ball looks pretty good. Looks fairly effortless. Um, I thought he looked prepared. I, I, you know, I, I think he played at a high level from a big 10 quarterback perspective. Um, he's got an awful lot of talent around him and he certainly has a chance to, to grow with this offense. You know, is he Justin Fields? I don't know if that's fair to to compare a guy who hasn't played football in a couple of years to, you know, start talking about those heights and expectations. Um, but maybe he could grow into that. The other element here is 
you know, the, the stats sort of take care of themselves if you have an offense where, you know, you're a quarterback and, and you get the ball to receivers and they run a lot, right? You're going to you're gonna rack up some passing yards. Um, got a good offensive line, hand the ball off and have some balance. But Ohio State has, you know, done a really good job the last couple of years under Ryan Day of having some balance in their offense. You know, they, they throw for 260 to 300 a game and they typically run for 200 to 250 a game. Um, you know, the offense with some routine can can be at, you know, roughly 500 yards of offense or more. Uh, last week in, in 48 plays, they still had almost 500 yards of offense. That's that's pretty darn good. Um, so, you know, all in all, C.J. Stroud's first week was was good. Uh, I'm not I'm not ready to sit here and say we want Bama kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, uh, a, a good start. Good first step. Stroud uh, having a good debut for for the Buckeyes there and, and looking to, to build off that in week two against Oregon. It's going to be big for Oregon, I think, to if they to get pressure on Stroud, uh, you know, make it make it tough for him to, to get the ball to those weapons at, at his disposal. Brandon, before we get out of here, I kind of want to take it off the field away from the X's and O's just just for a second. I'm around all the players here in Eugene, and, and that's been a great experience for me, seeing that I started covering Oregon remotely. Everything with the pandemic was so up and down last season, but you're on the ground um, and, you know, around around these players, this coaching staff. What what can you tell me about the Ohio State culture and just kind of how, how you've seen that take hold on this program? Uh, well, the, the first word that comes to mind, you know, that, that the team throws around a lot is brotherhood. Um, and Ryan Day and his staff, I think, have done a really good job of of not just recruiting, quote unquote, the best players. Um, they recruit really high level, talented guys who fit what they want in terms of their culture. The Buckeyes have a juggernaut right now, you know, and, and in some ways, Max, college football and the NFL couldn't be any different in the sense that if you win the Super Bowl in the NFL, you, unless you trade up, you pick last. Right, it's a league that's literally driven for parity. If you suck, you're going to pick first. Um, there, it, you you shouldn't have to be bad for long, and it's really hard to be good for long. In college football, if you win the national championship or you go to the college football playoff, it feels like you get the top ten picks of the draft. Right, it's it's just really difficult for teams to make a big jump forward. Uh, and, and I think the Buckeyes have done an extremely good job of recruiting the right kinds of kids into their program. You don't see a ton of Ohio State players enter the transfer portal. A couple, but not a ton. Um, it, it's the, the, the culture is elite. It's a really, really high-level culture. Um, I think it has to do with the personality of the coaching staff. Tony Alford and Kerry Combs, Brian Hartline and Larry Johnson, you know, these guys are they're they've become great football coaches, but they're they are the kind of men that if you are the parent of a high school football player, you're kind of begging your kid to hey, go hang out with that guy and be around him and learn how to be a a leader and a man and a father and a and a brother, you know, and and they're going to help you move your football career along, but um all of my impressions have been really, really high on just the quality of human being that's in that, you know, environment and in that culture. And frankly, it starts with Ryan Day. 
I mean, he really is an approachable, you know, a confident coach for sure. And and you to be a Division One head college football coach, you know, you got to have that that supreme level of confidence and belief in what you're doing. But Ryan Day exudes a humility that I don't think a lot of coaches exude. Um, he he kind of meets you where you are, and, and that hasn't always been the case in Columbus. I, I just I think so so highly of of the job that this coaching staff has done in bringing in the vast majority of the time the right kinds of players into the program, and you know when you have an elite strength and conditioning coach. And and the the history of you know the program recently of hey guys come to Ohio State they come there to to you know get themselves ready to try to pursue professional football uh, and get a degree in the meantime and you know you you have an inherent level of trust in the the sort of the system and the culture around you after a while man it just kind of feeds itself. And, and I think that's where a lot of the elite programs in the country are, are going right now, especially with the changes with name, image, and likeness. All the more reason why, in my opinion, why Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson and Georgia and LSU and Notre Dame and Oklahoma and, and Oregon, why those kinds of schools are going to be able to attract the best kinds of recruits because everything's above board now. You know, these, these kids can – Go make a deal with a car dealership and drive some sweet car. And Ohio State's got a couple of those guys that have that have done that. Good for them. Um, it, it's it's about finding the right people to buy into what you're doing. And and I, I think Ohio State has just hit a home run time and time again in, in finding the right guys to fit that culture. You know, they are absolutely they're looking for the best football players in the country. They can do it with um, they can they can do it with you know, guys in their own backyard, but, um, you know, they've, they've got enough talent that they have a national footprint and, uh, it's, it's impressive that they can basically, you know, look coast to coast and go find the right guys that they want. I love, love hearing about the culture. It's, it's something that I've gotten to, uh, you know, see firsthand, like I was saying here, here in Eugene, but with, with such a story program in Ohio state, it, it's, it's a little bit of a, a glimpse at, at why they've been able to be so successful and maintain that that high level of play, uh, Brendan. It's it's been awesome talking to you and getting a, a little bit of a look here. Uh, certainly more than than I'm sure a lot of Oregon fans knew before they listened to this pod uh, at the Ohio State football program. Uh, before we get out of here, where can people find more of your work? I know you're doing a lot of awesome content on the Buckeyes. Thank you, appreciate that. Uh, Buckeyesnow.com is is the home for all of our written content. Um, we do a ton of video content over on our YouTube channel, which is Buckeyes Now, uh, and the Buckeye Breakdown podcast is available wherever you'd like to uh, listen to your favorite podcast. So I uh, hope you'll consider checking that out, especially this week leading up to a big game. Ducks head to Columbus here in just uh, a couple of short days. Uh, Wednesday, as I record this, I believe they're heading out Thursday. So maybe they're heading out uh, as, as people are listening to this once this drops. Uh, Brennan, been been great talking to you, man. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time to to give this breakdown and uh, you know preview of of Oregon versus Ohio State, and we'll see you in Columbus. Thanks for having me, and can't wait to to have you back in uh, 
in the greatest city in the country, Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, thank you to all the, the viewers and listeners out there. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, definitely ask that you subscribe to the channel. Helps me continue doing my thing, covering the Ducks. And uh, check me out on Twitter at mtourissports and find all your Oregon Ducks content on ducksdigest.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next one. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.